Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And this is your weekly Wednesday show where we get on the couch and talk about all sorts of things that pertain to love and to life, which is how we came around to today's topic, which is actually money. And you might be asking, what's that got to do with my emotions or my relationships or my sex life? And Jane is about to say, well, everything. Absolutely. Everything. Everything, <laughs> of course. Yeah, look, I just found it interesting that recently I've had a couple of conversations with different people that were having fear of making some changes due to money. And so in, in both of these cases, exactly the same scenario occurred. I said to them, what is your, what is your fear? And the fear was, well, I, I'm really worried I'm not going to have money to pay the bills. And I said, okay, so where did that fear come from? When was the last time that you didn't have money to pay your bills? And both of them said, oh, no, I've always been able to pay my bills as though what a stupid question of me to ask. And yet the reality was that why would they now have a fear that suddenly after 30 or 40 or 50 years of paying bills that they suddenly can't pay bills anymore? So we have this kind of old programming that's gone back from, I guess, from childhood. Maybe a lot of us have taken it on from parents. You've got to work hard for your money and that money is not easy to come by and that, you know, if money is taken away from you, it's you may never be able to get it again. Yeah. You know, this sense of lack. Oh, absolutely. And it's one of the ruling fears that your average human being has because money is its the ultimate material, physical, you know, symbol of this very 3D earth that we live on. So a lot of stuff always seems to boil down to money and we can forget ourselves or lose our spirituality when when the, literally the buck stops there, can't we? It's sort of the number one deal breaker. It's the one thing to put us into fear the quickest. It's, ah, oh, and it's just energy. It is fear. It's, it's the quickest to get into that fear, isn't it? And Jen, have you ever done, done the thing where you've actually held a coin or a note in your hand and you've looked at it and you've thought, this is a piece of plastic. Yes. This is a lump of metal with a lady's head on it that I've never met. Why do I have so much riding on the energy of what this represents? Money is a thick soup of, of our own stuff. It is, it is an energy pool of beliefs, of cultural conditioning, of fears, of, oh my God, where do we even begin? Well, I think we can look at the various different old tapes that people have so that they can become, that can become a topic for them to explore, to really look at, is this particular tape one that I've been carrying around my whole life without realizing? And why do I believe this? And more importantly, do I still believe it? That's right. You know, do I still believe it? Let's look at getting some new tapes happening that you do believe. So rather than having the automatic old school way of thinking about money, let's see if we can get you having a a newer thought that does sit with you that you do believe and that you can now implement to create a greater freedom around the topic of money. And I'd really like to go into this half hour um, what those old beliefs and new beliefs are, particularly when, when we look at the world we've come from and the way many of us are changing and how that affects our monies, our businesses, our, all of that sort of abundance type stuff. Um, but I was just going to say one of the most illuminating things that ever happened for me in a way was just sitting down with a girlfriend once just having coffee and we were in our 20s. You know, we were fairly young and you know in your 20s is when you do first start 
analysing the world around you, questioning your parents for the first time, looking at stuff more objectively that you've always just been used to, but you start to question. And we got into this really deep conversation about money in the sense that she told me the way her family has always operated with money, their financial history, their grandparents, their parents, their generational stuff, and I told her mine. And the stories were so thick and complex and different that it really opened me up to just how how deeply we are conditioned. In the same way that in all these episodes, Jane and I always bang on about all the stuff you've soaked up from your childhood and your formative experiences very much equals the adult you are in many ways or explains a lot of the behaviors you may have that you don't like about yourself. I mean, money is such a big one. It is such a silent, lurking, big, big one because it it is an, it's a place where emotions get entrapped, isn't it, Jane? Oh, yes. And fights and feuds and dynamics and power play, revenge, guilt, shame. I mean, there's a lot of very heavy, often negative emotions that, that centre around money. Well, apparently there was a research done, oh, I think I read it about a year or two ago, that said it was the number one cause for separation and divorce. I've read that too. The number one. And um, and actually, and here's something too. This is just a little off the topic a little bit. That if you are a female and you earn more than your male partner, the chances of your relationship ending up uh, separated or divorced, it's something like in the 70s or 80s percent. That really fascinates me. It's because, interesting because it threatens a pr- the primal instinct of male as provider or what, what's going on there? Well, it could. I think there is that part, but I also equally think that it's the part of the female going, oh, look at me, I'm the prima donna, I'm doing everything. What are you bringing to the table? And then she ups her ante and expects something more. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Complex. Yes, very interesting. complex. But the reason I wanted to do that was really not to put fear into people. I don't want somebody that is earning more money than their husband to go, oh, great. Now I've got an even less chance of my marriage or relationship lasting. No, that's not true. It's really that by being aware of these statistics, it gives you the chance, which is what this whole podcast, all our podcasts are about is having a look at why could this be my situation? What can I change so that I'm not a statistic? So Absolutely. I'm not in this in this situation that is occurring without me even realizing it and that I don't have the understanding and clarity until the whole situation's over and done with. We want you to have the understanding and clarity beforehand so that you don't have to actually go through that experience. Conscious awareness. Beautiful. It always yes. brings us back to conscious awareness. That's right. And I think as adults, it's really, really important for us to sit down and take an inventory every now and then of where we're at and be very, very realistic. And let's face it, if your finances are either in a mess or just not quite where you'd like them, you really have to be the adult here. You have got to sit down with a pen and paper or the accountant or the, your husband or the person that you need to speak your truth to about your financial situation and you've got to be prepared to face some demons that are hiding under the bed with this stuff because it is often about airing your dirty laundry in order in, – like, it's just like all emotional stuff – in order to heal and get on with it. Sometimes you've got to bring out the ugly stuff. Some, you know, It could be extreme. Someone's got a gambling addiction or you've been spending money in lots of areas you know you shouldn't be in or just not, not saving or whatever is going on. It's time for you to get real. It, it is. I've got to throw a curly in here. I'll be curly then. Can go I on. do that? Go on. Okay, so I have, since really exploring the topic of money, I feel that everybody gets paid the to the exact cent what they believe they are worth. And at the same time, I believe that most people believe that money is hard to come by and that 
you got to be very careful and very scared of the lack of money. So true, Jane. Okay. However, my belief is that the universe provides for me. I have never not paid. Actually, there was only once in my life I was 28 years old and I had experienced some unexpected bills and I went to my dad and I borrowed $50 off of him and I cried and cried and cried because I loved my independence and I didn't want to have to do that. And it was very symbolic of failure to me at the time. But I can say, I can say that with standing that one little incident, $50 was not a lot of money. Um, I have always had the money to pay every bill. I've always had clothes. I've always had food. Every one of my basic needs has been met. I've had a car. I've had money for petrol. So I don't have any evidence that says scarcity exists in my life with money. So I'm a bit of a free spirit with money, to be honest. I don't particularly give great worth to savings. Okay, well, we're going to disagree this podcast. So, no, this, this is, is what I want you to time ever. This is what I want you to challenge me because <laughs> I actually believe I might be being a little bit immature in all of this and very much in the moment. You're putting me in a really interesting position because I think this is a divine dichotomy because I agree with two arguments here. I think on the one hand, if you are when you do get very spiritually evolved, you do actually even move beyond money. In terms of, and we all know this. I mean, you look at Mother Teresa. She didn't need an Audi. She didn't need a gold watch to thank her for what she did with the leper colonies, did yeah, she? Yeah. She, she didn't. She couldn't. She had no attachment. The Buddhist law of unattachment. She had. She wasn't a Buddhist, but you know what I mean. She had no attachment at all to financial wealth because she knew the gift of richness. But now people will say, yeah, but that doesn't put food on the table and put my kids through college. Doesn't it? Doesn't. The universe works in mysterious ways, and everyone's needs are always met. And I do believe that you can come to a point of, an, of amazing spiritual greatness. Well, that, that's where I feel in that I feel that all of my needs are met. Yeah. And you if know? you're content with that, more power to you and that's beautiful because also – But I'm not content with living with nothing. No, 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 you no. Know, no, I, no. I, I love, for example, when I'm going on a beautiful trip to Bali soon. Right. And that money was manifested because I wanted my children to start to experience their, their, a great age to start taking them overseas to experience different cultures and we start with Bali and I plan lots of overseas travel. Okay. So it's not about me saying, you know, so, I don't need money. No, and I understand that. And in this day and age and in the world we live in, it's okay to be okay with money. I mean, you can be spiritual and be rich. Oprah is. That's what I'd like to talk about. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that and because I think fine. there's a lot of spiritual people that really struggle with that. Oh, this is a whole – hang on. We're going in so many tangents now. I don't even money. know where to stop and begin <laughs> or money. start. Okay, but just to get back to the contrast between um, spiritual free – I always know my next meal will be there. I always yes. know my next bill will be paid. Yes. And what I was saying before about the inventory and looking stuff between the eyes, because I also feel this is very important work, and I've seen people go through this, me and my husband have been through this, where there, there does sometimes come a time in your life where in order to break either the bad habits of what your parents did or to fix a back bankruptcy or to overcome emotional blocks around the ways in which you're not handling your money with perhaps the highest vibrational, most transparent means, you do actually need to get a grip on what you're doing. And you you do need to do a little bit of the number crunching and the faxy figurey stuff. And to that end, I've got some fantastic resources I'm going to throw out there if people are looking for real help with their money. And and okay, the Barefoot Investor, if you've heard of him, he does a column, and he is the most straight talking, simple, likable young dude. He has a column in the newspaper once a week, I believe. And but I just get his Friday newsletter. He sends a newsletter every Friday, so just sign up for it. Go to his website, Google him, and. 
the thing I love about this bloke, I can't even think of his name. Good Lord, I'm having a block. It doesn't matter. The Barefoot Investor. He has spent hours and hours and hours of his time with the elderly generations. These are the people who lived um, depression era, war era, and this is, you know, before all of the technology and all of the stuff we have in life now that's distanced us, that's broken us apart as communities, that's taken up all of our time, you know, with internet and, and the way that people have credit cards and just spend and spend and spend and all of the consumerism. He, he's borrowed so much of his beautiful knowledge from the people that were closer connected to the land, that lived slower lives with so I'd like to say almost deeper meaning and, and a different value set than what we have today, which in one or two short generations we've completely lost. Right, so nice. he brings back through these gorgeous ways to teach your children, okay, three envelope systems. So a little bit of money goes in for you now, a little bit goes in for the future, and a little bit goes to charity and that sort of stuff and how we can teach our children Beautiful. right from the beginning to not just hold out their hand and say, Dad, 50 bucks on board, and your dad gives it to you and you trot off down the street and then you need another hit because that's the whole not teaching somebody to fish for a lifetime type stuff. It's fish for a day but not for a lifetime. Yeah. So anyway, that that is the Barefoot Investor. There's also the E-Myth, which is a great book for people who are going into business, starting their own entrepreneurial projects, and the Success Principles, Jack Canfield's book, which is so empowering and life-changing. I've never met a person who wasn't who hasn't started reading that book, even the first chapter, and didn't already rush out and literally start a, start a business or change their life. Like I've seen people start reading it in the bookstore and have to buy, have to leave the shop with it under their arm. It's I can't explain it. You just have to experience this book. Get it off of Amazon. I haven't read it. What's it called again? The Success Principles. I mean, I'm familiar with his work. He wrote the chicken. He's the chicken, the chicken soup chicken guy. Soup guy yeah. He's only yeah, written yeah. about 8,000 titles. Yes, yes. But this yeah, one as well. is, is about power and abundance and money and business. And for all of us that are on that train, you can't not know what this man is, has to say on these topics. And right. I, I can't repeat them on this podcast. You have to you read it. You haven't got any tips, little tools from there that you thought was a – To be honest, it stood out for it's you a while since was... I've read it. It's the biggest impression that, that that book leaves from me is that it just – it actually puts fire under your ass. If you're the kind of person who sits around or can't get stuff started or needs to push through some fears or get something going, this book will almost do it for you. You'll read it and you'll be launch padded so far out there, you'll be eight, just eight miles ahead. Like you'll just be yeah. 15 steps ahead. Yeah. I uh, had an interesting aha moment with one of my coaches over the years, a lovely guy called Martin Ailes. He wrote the book, um, uh, You Need a Rocket. Up and, your ass. <laughs> well, yeah, literally. Yeah. And um, and he was – one of the coaching sessions I had with him was about everybody gets paid what they believe they are worth. And I'm thinking, no, 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 I actually want to get paid more. I'm worthy of more. I'm doing lots of hours. And it was that I'm working hard thing. And it didn't matter how many hours I did, I was still only going to get paid the same amount of money because it's what I thought I was worth. And I really had to look at that and start to – reflect on what my true value is as that shifted and changed simultaneously so too did my income change right and it was literally to the day I'm not talking okay my self-worth increases in what I perceive as the value that I'm offering to my clients and so as that happens you know in a few months time the money will catch up no it was literally virtually same day it was yeah. incredible what about the times, like, and I know for you, Jane, like, where you've been pressed to put your prices up, but you're not yes. quite ready. Well, Talk about that. This was the client that wanted me to put my prices up, and it was really hard. So what I did was tools, which we've talked about many other times. So we actually came to an amount that he he wanted me to increase them ridiculously. I wasn't comfortable with it because I 
well, I felt I wanted to be of service that was going to stop me being of service. So we found something in between, but it was still a stretch for me. It was still a stretch that I didn't think people would pay that. Why? Because maybe I wasn't good enough. So I started to visualize that and I started to gather evidence by being more consciously aware when I was in my coaching sessions of just how much stuff, how much tools and information I was actually giving to people. And as I started to document that more precisely through coaching sessions, I realized they are getting great value for money. And as soon as I did that ever, that exercise, instantly it was not a problem to be charging that. So it was something I didn't even have to grow into. I just had to do a couple of exercises, also visualizing, visualizing what does it feel like to be asking for that money, to be receiving that money, to be putting that in my bank account, um, to give thanks for that. And as I saw my client's satisfaction and as I saw my satisfaction, it instantly manifested. So like a great thing to put out there is if you sit someone down and you, or you sit down a room full of people and you say, so how would you feel if I told you that you're all billionaires right now? And what you do is you go into your body and see what the first thing that comes up for you. Is it, yeah, I deserve that? Or is it, oh, no, I don't feel comfortable with that after all? Or is it, um, you know, feeling of an uneasiness about, you know, you start to monitor what your reactions are around these concepts. Because from a spiritual point of view, everyone in the universe, whether it's a pauper in India or it's, I don't know, Donald Trump or whoever America's richest, whatever latest is on the list, you know, we've all got exactly equal access to divine, unlimited, universal abundance. So every time I go to the ATM, I like to tell myself I'm just withdrawing from the universal ATM. Like, I'm not being stupid about it. <laughs> I don't go and just whack out thousands because I'm realistic. I mean, I've still got my own finite physical money in there, but we need to also blow up, blow open our beliefs about what's possible and how much, how much abundance is accessible to us. And we need to be very careful talking about these concepts, I feel, because of things like ego, greed, and agenda in the sense of what are you coming to this with. If you are coming to money with no real desperation or hook or hold or urgency or that kind of emotion placed on it, that truly is when you'll find that that universal ATM is flowing to you in every direction. And remember, when you need abundance in your life, it might not come as money. Somebody might bake you a cake. Somebody might offer to wash your car or babysit your children or bring over, you know, a new scarf or all of these sorts of I ways that. that we can receive just what we need when we need it. it you know, it, it can be anything. And I'm sure you can all use your imaginations there. So I actually had a lovely example in my life. It was oh, probably about Oh, I can't remember how long ago, seven, eight years ago. Children, my children were quite little and it was at a time that I was only working part time. And so we didn't actually have a lot of money, spare money. And, uh, so I really wanted to have some more holidays. Wasn't sure quite how that was going to happen, but I started visualizing these holidays, lots of little holidays. And within a couple of days, I had one girlfriend who had a beautiful holiday home at Hamash Island who invited us to go down there for, to spend Easter. And then I had another friend that invited us to go to their holiday home at Normanville and spend time with them there. Instantly, I had two gorgeous holidays, very accessible, that were only like an hour from from where I live and um, provided. Because, again, it's the energy dance and money is energy. And that's why we talk about currencies because it's the current. It's the way that it all flows. And so what is your relationship with that flow? Do you attract it? Do you block it? You know, do you send it into too many different directions so it thins out? Or do you know how to consolidate it? And I'm, I'm actually thinking I still haven't answered our question of about 15 minutes ago, Jane. 
hang on, which one? (laughs) There's actually so much coming off this topic, I'm actually surprised what's coming up even for me as as I delve into this. Yeah, it's a massive topic, isn't it? It's a massive topic and everyone's got their own take on it and there's so much advice, I feel like we could give in so many different directions. This actually could have its own show, (laughs) just an episode. Uh, it is such a big topic. Spiritual money is probably quite under-talked about because, again, I think a lot of spiritual people feel very uncomfortable as well, like we said earlier, with with accepting money for services or being wealthy and having that sit with their spirituality. That's right, it is. And I, I recently there was a thing kicking around on Facebook, you know, those top 20 reasons, or and it was something about top 20 common denominators that billionaires had. And one of them was that they all – recognize that to have financial abundance provides opportunities for other people. Right. Now, there's your spiritual answer being right. just there. That's simple. It's okay to employ a PA. It's okay to have a housekeeper or a cleaner. It's okay. It's okay to spend money on new cars, new furniture. It always is an energy exchange of flowing through, of giving people opportunities, of giving other people to be doing what they love and and receive joy in that you don't love and receive joy in. That's right. We had such an interesting, interesting talk about, we touched on this in our radio show that we do Soul Sister Sessions for Power FM last week, where Jane was talking about whenever she sees a beggar or a homeless person and she'll give them money, even if if they're a drug addict and they're going to take that money to feed their addiction, Jane says... Um, so how did you phrase it? That it's, well, I it's said it, I'm giving with, money with no attachment. It's not my job to define how that person should spend money. But it's tied in with what you just said about enabling the flow in all directions. And, yeah. and you can see that as it's a terribly negative thing to be held, you know, enabling. But it's not my job to judge. And yeah, it's, oh. it's just not, I know it's rich and deep, isn't it? It is. I know. Because, oh. <laughs> I know. But you know, but there was also, you know, the thought process of, well, isn't it better to take them to a supermarket? And I actually did do that. I took I took one guy. I used to have an office that was near um, uh, a lot of men's shelters. And so it was quite common for me to have people that are doing it tough and lacking in abundance that were wanting financial help. And so one guy said, you know, and I actually would have given him $10 or whatever, but I didn't have it. I said, oh, well, if you want to go to the supermarket, I'll buy you some bits. And he told me how he had this, um, he had a wife and uh, and twin babies that were living in the parklands so I went and bought some nappies and some formula and some um nappies and formula or what else did I get some orange juice and milk and just some basic staple you know basic things and uh, and off he went very happy and spent about 100 bucks I guess or whatever that was my thing done and it was actually quite funny that I was walking down the street with a friend of mine and uh, I said oh there's that guy that I helped blah 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 and she just looked at me and said oh Jane he doesn't have a wife and children that live in the parklands. He actually would have taken that. He lives in the men's shoulder. He would have actually taken it back and bartered it. Apparently, that's really good stuff to barter within the women's shoulder. And I went up, well, there you go. Who cares? Someone will benefit from that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I just have to have great faith that all is well and the energy flows. And I'm not hanging on to 10 bucks or $100 particularly caring too much. And there's the microcosm and then there's the macrocosm because I find it really interesting when I look at the world, how whole countries deal with money and how phases and eras of history. You've got your phases of 
decadence of Rococo, like even the 80s where everything was hedonistic and everyone had shoulder pads and gold and cocaine and all this. And then you look at places like Africa, which always seems to be having such hard lessons of lack and drought and poverty and famine and all this sort of stuff. And we're just learning both on a global scale and on the, you know, the at-home suburban in-your-own-piggy-bank scale. We're always learning some of our biggest soul and karmic lessons through our finances. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, just lost it. Go, Jane. <laughs> well, I was also going to ask because recently in your beautiful newsletter, which if anybody oh, wants to subscribe it. to, Bitcoin. it's fantastic. What's your What's your um, address, your website, so that they oh, can just subscribe my, to the newsletter? My name, RebeccaDetman.com, and you can sign up. Okay, on. it's a great newsletter. It comes about, I don't know, once a week, once a fortnight. Yeah. And you wrote one recently about… Bitcoin. I did. Talk about that. Okay, so this actually ties in with where we started top of our about… Um, old and new and where we're headed from the old. So let's go back to old. Old is, I, let's look at money in the 20th century. You you got up, you went to work, factory line, rat race, nine to five, you got paid once a week or once a fortnight, you had a modest house and you got a gold watch at the end and long service leg or whatever and then, and then you retired. Okay. And that is, there are so many fears tied in with the way that the world has been for so long because as long as you're only ever given as much as your outstretched hand can accept from the boss who dictates your worth mm -hmm. to you, yes. you are a slave really yes. in many ways. Yes. And so what's happened to kick a lot of people up the ass, I know this sounds really harsh, but I'm just going to put it out there because it's happened to members of my own family in America, is the GFC, the global financial crisis. Now, this is something that's been spiralling out over a number of years now people losing homes, fortunes, superannuations, property, everything is being shaken up. People who thought they'd retired into comfy security for the rest of their lives are suddenly going, what? And they, people are giving all sorts of paradigm shifts through this big collective consciousness, global financial situation we've all put up, up our hands at a deeper level to work through. And we're being spat out the other side. What are people finding? Also redundancies. I know people like all of these big companies that have been around forever are doing these mass redundancies and you've got people who've been working in them since they were 17 years old and are now 50 or 60 something who for the first time are spat out into the street with no training and anything else saying what on earth do I but do? Actually just just on that just to deflect slightly is that if you are in that situation we did a podcast a few weeks ago on um, putting love into your business and we also did one on manifesting your ideal life. Both of those, if you're in that really scary situation, would possibly be of help for you now. Because I think we did reference that a bit. Yeah, we did. Because what is happening is that you are being given the greatest gift of all. The universe is tapping you on the shoulder and they're saying, guess what? You're being underused sitting in that little chair ticking away doing your little comfort zone stuff day in, day out. We'd like to see you grow and develop and we'd like to see what you've got to give. And the universe is forcing people all over the place, left, right and centre, every age from you know every walk of life to reinvent themselves, to be resourceful, to get creative, to feel inspired again maybe for the first time after decades, to see what they're capable of and to push out and give and keep going because some of them, they're not ready either to curl up and die yet, they're not ready to retire yet or they've got to find ways to get money. I know a man, God bless his cotton socks, who used to run television networks and his money has it got so rock bottom the last time I spoke to him, he was living in his car looking for a mattress to borrow. And because his son couldn't be put through school anymore and everything, and that really broke his heart, he just got up one morning and went out to the markets and asked and asked and asked around for four days until somebody gave him a job lifting fruit pallets. He's 58 years old and he's lifting fruit pallets and he used to run television networks for Murdoch. Now, 
people can have all different interpretations on that story. People can say, oh, my God, that's terrible. See what the government does to us. See what these times have led us to, blah, 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 blah. You talk to him and he has reached the most beautiful humility I've ever heard and I've known him for a few years. He was very high up the corporate chain. He was into the ego, the free flights, the long lunches, and the suits. He only dealt with COOs and CEOs and chairmen. Now he's talking to the local African-American kid who's who's just jumped off the boat and is working his way, his way through finance school. You know, he's, he's meeting the refugees. He's meeting these amazing, amazing blue-collar workers down in, you know, real Australia. And he's saying to me, oh, my gosh, my eyes have been opened for the first time in my life. This has been the biggest gift this. This I've ever beautiful. had. Right. Beautiful. You know, I actually had an interesting term from a very, very senior medical um, doctor said, was talking about the different white-collar, blue-collar, and he was actually talking about the no-collar. Oh, I love it. Have you heard that? Isn't it beautiful? And that's what we are back when no collars. So and the, it is so beautiful. And I the, just that's right. That and the Bitcoin, which is where I keep forgetting where we're going and coming back. Oh, we're <laughs> nearly running out of time. Is, too. We, I'm going to squeeze it in. Is alternative currency. So what I've had a gut feeling about for a long time, and some people are trying to find the right answer to, is what would happen if we took the power away from the Federal Reserve, the treasurers, the stock markets, human error, all of these things, and we actually created secure, backed up, online, free, fee and tax-free internet currencies. What would that look like? Could we get them right? Could the world operate through bartering or a PayPal-type system that's just us and our own money with no one else involved? How would we handle that and what would the world look like? And I get very excited by those concepts. I get excited by the concepts too, but I've, I've yet to hear one or find one in my mind that I am convinced is it. Absolutely. But I know that there are so many clever people out there that it, it's only a matter of time. No one's cracked this, it yet. No one's cracked it yet. No, there's and, and so, yes, all of these have got huge faults and fears associated of, you know, well, what if, what if, what if? Yes. But we're not far away from really cracking some interesting, interesting times. We ahead. are, and we have to wrap up, but I just wanted to give an action plan to those of you playing at home, that if you really want to start getting real about your money and looking at what's going on for you with conscious awareness, get a pen and paper type keyboard, sit down and write out the beliefs of your parents' money beliefs. What were your parents' beliefs around money? Your friends, your classmates, your colleagues, your suburbs, your societies. Break it down. Look at all the people around you. See how it's influenced you and realize that all of the beliefs you probably hold around money aren't even your own and change them. What a great way to end the podcast. Thank you, Beck. That's beautiful advice. That is no problems at all. What a great week. Oh, and this is a fun topic. I could actually probably go another half hour, but we need to move on. So we'll see you next week on the Couch for Love Life, free every Wednesday on thewellnesscouch.com. I'm Rebecca Detman. I'm Jane Donovan. And have a beautiful, beautiful next seven days. See you next week. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.